Hi, I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Brian Mitchell. Brian is an award-winning author of epic fantasies living in Archdale, North Carolina. His writing is inspired by his Christian faith and is filled with relevant themes that can be identified in today's society, even though they are written into fantastical worlds. He is the author of Infernal Fall and Almost Paradise, which just released on October 24th, 2023. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me, Kay. It's an honor. I'm so glad to have you here today. Well, I feel like we are so much more than our bios. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I I grew up here in the Southeast. I was born in Martinsville, Virginia, and uh, pretty much uh, went to school right around uh, Jamestown, North Carolina, most of my life. Okay. And uh, but moved around a bit. My parents joined the carnival. My mom did anyways, and uh, she was in the carnival for a number of years. While my dad was uh, pretty much seeing that, I stayed out of trouble and got through school and everything. But after school, I joined the military. I was in the military for about 12 years. Some of that was Army Reserves. And I went on to um, serve in Iraq uh, for a little bit. I was a part of a transition team that helped the Iraqis take back their uh, control, their uh, security uh, back in 2007. Okay. After that, I left the military and got married. I started finishing up school and got a degree in in um, English and then another one, uh, a master's degree in computer science. Okay. Had a couple of kids along the way. It's <laughs> been it's been a journey. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like it. What was your mom's act in the carnival? I'm so intrigued. Well, she was uh, making candy apples. Uh, okay. And things like that. And my stepdad, he was running machines and helping them set up and tear down. So I would actually uh, get my hands dirty. I remember being in the seventh grade and helping them uh, set up uh, a Ferris wheel before. And yeah, it was uh, it was some work there. Yeah. I feel like, though, that hard labor, right, is sometimes some really good life lessons for us, even at a young age. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I feel like if with my kids, you know, it's like sometimes my husband and I will be like, oh, this is going to take so much longer, but it's so important that they probably should learn how to do it too, right? If we let our kids in on the task. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good thing because even though we don't, we kind of look at them, we see a mountain like, oh man, I don't want to tear that thing down, but <laughs> you get to move in boulders. Eventually uh, that mountain becomes just an anthill and it's just uh, something you can just swipe away with your foot and you get used to it but yeah Yeah. it can be daunting looking at the task at first but once you just got to get in there and get going with it yeah i feel like that's a really good segue because i imagine that writing a book feels the same oh yeah it sure does anyone who sat down to write a book for the first time and they they feel like they're on a roll oh man i just wrote five thousand words oh man i have uh at least 80,000 more words to go. It's just uh, one step at a time. It's uh, you just 
have to do the grind and then you have to be willing to let some let go of some of that and uh, go back and edit and just enjoy all the process, the creative process, the editing process, the cleanup, all that. That's uh, uh, you get used to it. Yeah. So when you sat down, um, well, I guess I should say, have you always been a writer? Not always. I've always known I wanted to write, okay. but uh, I was a bit busy. Uh, I did read when I could. A lot of it was uh, learning uh, books. And I, I looked at the fiction section, longing for it, especially the fantasy, fantasy section for a while. But when yeah. I did have time to read, um, I definitely uh, loved uh, just being in a story, getting a little escape. And also there's uh, lessons learned there, of course. And if it's a uh, um, if it's during a particular time, usually you can get some ideas on relevant issues of the day or pastimes as well, like To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, the issues that were a part of that story. But the story itself is just, you know, it's told by from Scout's perspective, it's just just an amazing story. And just you get an idea of that time. And also you just it's like a timeless story leave it to beaver kind of setting. I, I yeah. just love that stuff. But yeah, sitting down to to read something uh, and uh, back in the day was just a, a joy to me. Yeah. Do you still view reading the same now that you're a writer? I do. Okay. I do. That's, that's interesting. Now, I do uh, a lot more active reading in a way where I'm not just uh, immersed in the story. I might sure. pick up on a word, a phrase, or a paragraph, and I'm like, wow, what did they do here? Um, that happened especially with The Way of the King by Brandon Sanderson. There's a, a particular moment where it just wowed me, and I, I just had to get up and walk around and do somersaults and <laughs> cartwheels for a little bit to calm down. But um, there was just a moment, I, I just kept on rereading a particular paragraph and that, how it just popped out at me like, that is amazing. And it's just so simple how he did it too. Yeah. So I, uh, I tried to uh, learn as I read, but I do enjoy the story. Those moments where I pop out and I'm like sitting back as a reader, other readers who probably aren't interested in writing probably don't do that. They're probably just go into it uh, and just stay in it and that's great but uh being a writer it's a it's a little a bit more of appreciation when you can see these moments that just really open your eyes while you're reading the story sure i mean and that's your craft right so you're going to pick up on that and i love that you call it active reading because i i've had you know quite a few authors on the show and i haven't had them describe it in that way and i love it because it is true right i mean like to anybody can relate to listening versus active listening is very different, right? And so reading versus active reading, it's very different. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's where I took it from, from listening to music, because I'm a musician as well. And okay. I do a lot of active listening when I'm listening to anything. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. I have had authors come on and they've mentioned that you know, that even they don't enjoy reading in the same way anymore. And I was like, wow, what a tragedy is what I was thinking, right? Of like how you can't just like you said, immerse yourself in the story. But I love to hear where you say like, it can be both. You can have both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it happens, especially when you're reading outside the genre that 
you're pulled into. So, and I'm not reading fantasy. I'm just, I'm just flowing through it. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, something still can pop out and uh, I, I might take some notes, mostly mental notes. I don't carry a notebook around with me when I'm reading, but um, yeah, I do tend to uh, really get in and focus on a lot more things when I'm reading in my own genre. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause that's what you know, right? You're like, this is my craft. This is what I know. So can you tell us that I feel like this is a great segue. Can you tell us about your books that you've written? Well, the first book was Infernal Fall and I started on that a long time ago, actually. Um, I'll just start at the point where I decided to scrap the story I had written after getting home from Iraq because there was just something missing. And I've talked to a few people who were uh, writers who just talked about some things I could do to improve it. And it dawned on me that um, really this story should be taking place in Dante's Inferno and that I could really... uh, really use that in a good way. So I decided to research Dante's Inferno. I was familiar with it. I knew the the nine circles of hell and um, I knew they had uh, you know, sub chambers in each one, but I needed to go back in and read it and make sure I understood it well. Sure. And I, I just I also did a lot of research online as well. And I saw where YouTubers were wrong and some websites were wrong, but there's a lot of people out there who had it right as well, especially universities who really dig into it. Those were the best resources and also just taking time with the what I could find uh, in the books that I have on it. Yeah. So doing some research with that and I'm thinking about the characters who I have and how they will go about uh, each of these circles of hell. And one thing was um, how would he go into limbo and not just try to turn around and walk back out. And in Dante's uh, work, he had a couple of beasts that were preventing him from going back. And then Virgil comes up and says, here, I'll show you a way. And um, in this instance, uh, I felt like maybe Daniel doesn't realize he's in hell. And that's what kind of happens to us in life. We don't always realize immediately that we're going into a bad situation and it kind of just uh we acclimate into it sometimes and and out of nowhere we're in so deep and we don't think we can get out and and dante's work he said uh i've been in all hope all you who enter and i i wanted to people i want people to think you know you don't have to abandon hope with when you're in these horrible situations, hang on to hope and you can find a way out of the fire. So I I went in with that in mind. That was like my premise, like, yeah, we're going to go into hell, but there's hope this time we can get out. So um, one thing I I felt though, is that Daniel, considering it being hell, he wouldn't have a trustworthy guide to help him through. So he runs into a spirit named Charles where the locals in limbo called him heartless Charles and uh, Charles just wants to use him. He, he sees that he's a, he's still alive because everyone down there, they, they lost their shine. They've lost their glow. Uh, They're, they don't sweat. They're miserable. 
they're in pain, but yeah. he sees in Daniel that he's, he's good. There's some, he's uh he's still shining. He's uh he's got some moxie to him. <laughs> so he knows he's still alive. So his idea is I'm going to take him all the way to Satan so I can show everybody that I deserve more power. So that was uh, Charles's thinking. And uh, Daniel's thinking is I got to get out of here. You know, I got to get back yeah. to my girlfriend because he is on grandfather mountain going up uh, a trail with his, uh, with his girlfriend at the time when he fell um, into uh, the inferno. So uh, there's a lot of research. And then there's the, the whole story part that was in my mind, the premise that I set up in my mind and just how they're going to navigate all these circles of hell. How's he going to be Lord and continue to follow Charles? How is Charles going to trick him? All these uh, just question after question is what drove me through the story. Yeah. I, well, I am loving it. I'm currently listening to it on audio and I have about 20 minutes left. I was really hoping I could knock it out before our interview this morning, but you know, it's the weekend with your family too. So you something's got to give. Um, but I, I've loved it, the audio narration. It's been a really great way to to hear the book. Oh yeah, James L. Rubart. He did a fantastic job with the uh, the audio, and um, he really brought the characters to life, especially Bo. Yeah, because Bo is a very interesting character. He's a he's he's a, a shadow man on Earth, and he's the reason that Daniel. Uh, ultimately falls into hell he had left an artifact behind and pretty much abandoned his purpose his his post and a, a special artifact that he uses to send people on to either heaven or hell once when they die he left it behind and daniel found it and he held on to it and it sent him to where he would go at the time because he still had a lot of things to work on and when he fell um Bo felt really dismayed and guilty for it so he went in hell to try to save uh daniel and i knew that bo would have a hard time walking around and talking because he's been a shadow for so long mm -hmm. but um the way he spoke the way that james was able to bring out his voice in a wispy shadowy way was just so cool i i didn't even hear that when I was writing it. So to hear him uh, come up with the voice that way was really, uh, really cool. Yeah. That's so fun for you as the author. Like you said, you're like, I didn't, you know, hear that voice of him, but to hear it come to life. And again, for the reader on the other end of it, it does make it come to life. And I read a lot of audiobooks solely out of you know, my busy life with my kids. So it's like in the evening when I'm cooking, cleaning dishes, folding four baskets of laundry, it's like I can have an audiobook on and it may, makes that mundane task be that much more enjoyable. And then that's how I can still read a bit too. You know, otherwise I'd be like, you said, you know, I can't go to the books because I won't do the tasks at hand that I need to do. How you were saying in the beginning. And so I love a good audiobook narration because it really, it draws you in for sure. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness there's audiobooks out there because it's hard to get reading in, especially mm -hmm. books that you enjoy and you have a busy life and you have technical things you have to do and uh, things you have to keep learning to stay up to task. And uh, while you're on task, 
all you have to do is you know put it on audible spotify or whatever platform does ha, does audio audiobooks and just you know uh listen in also podcasts as well you know yeah uh, I, I do a lot of podcast listening while i'm working and and i definitely take a, a dive into the audiobooks from time to time as well with that yeah i always say that my house is so much cleaner because of audiobooks because i'll like have the attention to task i can do that much longer if i have a, a good story going on in my ears <laughs> so oh yeah that makes perfect sense yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do a lot more cleaning now. Yeah, I'm well. I'm glad I could inspire you there. What I wanted to say is that I love how your characters too were all grappling with something, right? And it's in those like dark moments of how did I get here that they are really starting to look at their own lives, and I thought that was a really cool theme through the book as well. Oh yeah, some of those things were were not apparent to me until they happen like later in the book um those were like some uh like wow moments for me some things i did know um like in the first chapter we knew that daniel ran away from home and got into a uh a scuffle with his father on the way out and he's carried around that guilt for years and we know considering never lose hope that you know he wants to make amends but he's afraid to and uh because he hasn't in all these years already he's tried to make up for it by going into the military he wants to feel proud of himself but he just can't so he figures maybe i go into academics and i can um uh be proud of myself by uh that way but while he's in school he meets a, a young a young girl named christine who he wants to marry and he wants to propose to her but when they're going up on to the summit of grandfather mountain it all comes to a head because right there when i think of grandfather mountain it's a wonderful place here in north carolina okay. um it's not only beautiful but i also think of family because grandfather mountain and mm -hmm. I, I just felt like that's where he he would be thinking about how can i have a family after what i've done to my family uh, am i going to do that to her am i going to leave her uh, over some silly stuff is this who I am so with those things running through his mind and he's uh looking for kind of a an escape from his past um at least uh, this is psychoanalyzing my character and I've done it too long I've been psychoanalyzing <laughs> Daniel for years now yeah but uh he uh he sees like uh like we do in everyday life, he sees something shining in a dark place and he wants to go and see what it is, get a little bit curious. He finds it, he thinks it's valuable, but ultimately it uh, causes him to fall. Uh, yeah. I think there's a one moment where he's dangling by a root and he uh, he's thinking about taking Christine's hand, but he just can't quite get there. And uh, of course the root snaps and he takes the plunge, but uh, I think that's what kind of happens sometimes. Not for all of us. Some of us uh, are really good at handling uh, uh, handling past traumas and and overcoming temptation and things like that. But um, sometimes some folks uh, let um, temptation get the better of them, and they too fall. Um, and that's what I was thinking about with Dante's Inferno, because uh, 
past limbo, we have lust and beyond lust, there's gluttony and greed and anger. And then it goes into heresy and violence, then the fraudulent and then treachery. Of course, I was thinking of all those things that causes us to fall. And that that's one thing I felt was kind of a interesting because the things that can cause us to fall today has been the same things that's caused us to fall since the dawn of time. Yeah. 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 We think we're so much more evolved, right? But it's still, still there. The same pitfalls. Yeah. 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 And I love, like you said, though, there's always this glimmer of hope. And I think that that is so true and makes it so relatable to life, right? If you if you have that hope, right? Never let go of that hope to get yourself out. Yeah, I think it does start with hope. Um, if anyone's, I imagine anyone who's had uh, drug problems and they really want to get out of it and they want to uh, better their life, it all starts with the hope that they can do it. Because if you don't think you can, and I've known some folks who, who've told me, no, I can't do it. Uh, I like it too much. I I want to stay with it. And they, un- they understand the repercussions. They know that they'll probably do anything to get it, including steal and, and beg. You know, uh, I've seen folks just say, no, I'm, I like it. This is what I, where I'm going to be at. And it all starts with the, the, the first of all, there's a the decision. They have to decide that they want to overcome it yeah. and, and work their way through it and but not just to pick on the drug addicts does anyone who's uh prone to greed and uh lust all these things um i know one thing when we're when i was young um i wanted to be rich i wanted to be famous Mm -hmm. Uh, i wanted uh, to have the prettiest girl in the world and all that stuff but you know after after time and growing up, growing a little bit wiser over time, I know that those things uh, really don't matter. Is uh, you want to connect with someone, obviously, and yeah. that's where love is. Uh, and it's not necessarily about who's the prettiest person; it's about who's the uh, who do you connect with best, and who sees you for who you are, and who do you and you see them for who they are, of course. And there's a, a mutual understanding there and when it comes to being rich and famous that that's just so uh, that's just so silly come yeah. to think of it like uh you can't have enough money uh honestly i, I think it's better to just aim for a, a life that's rich you know and um having wonderful moments with your family and your friends and just being a a good stable person in your society and be willing to smile with your neighbor and laugh with your neighbor with a stranger. Those things are way more important than those things I thought of when I was uh, just a young teenager. Yeah. And those are the things you can't put a price tag on, right? Like those are just the, the simple things that you can't, you can't put a price on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think what you're kind of saying, you know, we all maybe have this vision, like you said, maybe that's, being rich, being famous, you know, whatever that is. But I think those are the the illusions of the empty promises, right? Like you get there and you're like, well, wait, I mean, I've never been any of those things. So let's be honest here, but <laughs> you get there and you're like, well, 
this isn't all I was thinking it was going to be, right? And then you're seeking the next thing, right? You put your eye on the next thing and you're like, okay, maybe this thing will fulfill my cup. And I think that our society has kind of fallen in that a little bit of like, what's the next best thing to make me happy? Yeah, yeah. So. That's right. That's uh, I see it the same way there. It's just... uh. It can it can be a struggle for those who are young, but I know some folks who were around my age who were already kind of feeling good about where they were heading and they had more answers. And me, I was this silly kid, had to figure it out. Um, one thing that uh, I felt was really important to today today, and I, it's been something I see almost year to year, and that's the the anger in the world. And yeah. when I was thinking about what can we all relate to, and that is anger. And sometimes, you know, there can be a healthy bit of anger. You know, sometimes it's just, it's an emotion that we just have to embrace at times because there are things that will really upset us. But if it's, uh, if it's something that you're constantly finding yourself prone to, it can be dangerous. And that's, that's yeah. what I, uh, that's what I felt was uh, one of Daniel's issues was he was having a lot of anger issues. And uh, with me, I'm generally a happy person, unless if I'm driving. <laughs> so for some reason, whenever I'm driving is I tend to sometimes uh, be a little bit more uh, uh a little forceful, like get out of the way, go, go. The light's green. Come on, what are you doing? What are you? Yeah, that's a it's a little much, but uh, at least I know, and I try, and I'm a lot more patient behind the wheel than I was uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, seeing the news and seeing on social media, uh, a lot of the attitude um, that I see, there's a, a a good deal of anger out there, and even the jokes sometimes tend to point to a bit of anger and outrage sometimes. Um, so I, I felt like uh, uh, anyone who took some time with Daniel, maybe they would relate a little bit to his anger and they would see how, how that, how he can better cope with his anger. And maybe while they're traveling through with, with him through the inferno, maybe they might uh, be able to find new ways to deal with their anger. I know it helped me writing the book. Yeah. Um, and most people who have read it have just told me that they enjoyed the story and that they did have any, any anger. I hope it helped, uh, help them in some small way as well. Yeah. And you have a character that you can relate to. And I think sometimes that makes us feel like we're not alone in our problems, right? We all have issues. We all have things we're dealing with. We all have things we're grappling with in our own life. And that's different from A to B, but sometimes I think just the comfort of knowing there's someone out there going through or walking the same journey you are. I'm not alone here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of Charles too. Uh, Daniel is obviously the one we would relate to most while we're going through the inferno, but there's also a a bit of Charles where he's kind of lost touch with his humanity and uh, being around Daniel he he finds a little bit more of his humanity over time, which causes a little bit more of a conflict for him. Cause does he really want to uh, drag Daniel deeper into hell for his own 
purpose or, or does he want really want to truly help him that's that's something that he has to grapple with as he uh as daniel's humanity grows on him and i think that happens uh sometimes when when we're around someone who we really look up to um who who do good things and we kind of kind of start listening to them like i was uh signing books at uh at barnes and nobles in greensboro and i ran into assistant principal of mine back in high school and i remember how tough it was how how tough i thought i was and i can only imagine there's a like 600 700 other students around him and he's uh dealing with all those personalities and the patience he had to have yeah to uh to help those kids uh grow from boys and girls into men and women to be upstanding citizens in their society. And I just remember taking some time to talk to him about it. And it was just so cool how, yeah. how someone can just uh, have a conversation with you once or maybe a few times and they can, they can really bring out the light in you and get you thinking maybe late at night or when you're alone, you just start thinking, yeah, there's some truth in what he said, you know, and that's what I aim to be not to necessarily be the wise old sage, <laughs> but just, uh, just to be um, a good ear for someone who's going through something and uh, maybe having something to say that might help them along their way through this life. Yeah. Yeah. Leaving an impact on them. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is, I think that's, I think about that a lot with my, my kids, right? Like they're my legacy and like, how do I want to leave when I leave this earth? Right? Like, what do I want to leave behind in them? Right? Cause they'll be following on after long after I'm gone. What have you learned about yourself in writing or through this process? Ooh, what have I learned about myself? Uh, I know that I can do it. I have the confidence and that. the will to sit down and write a story. And I, one thing I, that drives me are the questions. And I think questions are a good thing. Some people are scared of questions, but the more you question, the more you dig in, the more you learn and the more you can be amazed. Cause um, I, I went in the weird directions and writing all these books. Um, well, I've only written two, but in <laughs> writing them all the time I took to, to just learn something, maybe it's just look up a, a, a particular adjective and like, Hmm, does this really fit? It sounds nice, but does it fit? Next thing you know, I'm in a rabbit hole and I'm looking yeah. up science articles about light. And uh, one particular time I was, I was just researching what light was. I got so interested because uh I was uh, interested in the light that was shining through this stone and yeah. how could I better describe it? And I came across that uh, we are actually glowing. Like every person alive has a glow to them. We just can't see it. It's like really minuscule. We can't see it, but we're actually glowing. And I thought that is crazy. Yeah. We actually glow. And I, I, Going into these different things um, of learning, th these ways of learning is just, that's what I get out of writing. So um, while I'm writing and exploring and trying to figure out 
these stories and things I want to find and things I want to share. It's just a, it's just a joy, you know, yeah. uh, infernal fall. I, I, one thing that I haven't really mentioned is I talked about uh, the choices where it kind of sometimes comes down to binary choices, choose life or choose death. Yeah. Do you want to have another drink? Do you really want to go driving after drinking so much? Do you want to have an affair? Do you really want to do that? Yeah. You already know the answer is just the, the temptation. Are you going to sink into death? Or are you you're going to choose life? So that's uh, these questions that come and I I enjoy exploring while I'm writing. It's just, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about the world around me. And I want to uh, honor the readers as well. Um, Not just necessarily tell a good story, but uh, put some things in there that will help them. Uh, There's a moment where, uh, Daniel was uh, looking at an engagement ring he was planning on giving Christine. And he was wondering, you know, uh, if anyone's ever trying to cheat, maybe what they should do is they should really take a good look at their wedding ring and maybe it will uh, help them. So it's uh, that was something that I just felt that a little tidbit for someone who might be thinking maybe they should go ahead and take a good long, hard look at that ring and, and remember the vows and the love and the joy and they can overcome that moment of weakness. Yeah. And the significance of what that ring means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing us so much about your characters and about your book and listeners. It's Infernal Fall, and it's almost paradise. Is it a sequel to it, or is it a standalone? It is a sequel to it. Yes. Okay. There, there's less Dante in it too. There's more. There's a little bit of uh, C.S. Lewis, okay. The Great Divorce, in it because in The Great Divorce, people can take a bus out of hell and go on a holiday to heaven. Okay. Uh, so there's a little bit of that in there, and there's just a a lot more supernatural things happening in this world. A little bit of screw tape letters where demons are toying with people's minds, trying to get them to do things that they shouldn't do. Okay. And then there's a bit of a, a good versus evil, angels and demons head to head in All a right. battle for mankind. Uh, so uh, it's a, it's the last of the, the series, but okay. there's possibilities for spinoffs in the future. Wonderful. So listeners, I'll have links for those in the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't need to worry about that. You can just go to the show notes and they will be there. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about who you are as a reader. And you've already kind of alluded that you are a big fantasy reader, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you have other genres you enjoy reading? I do like reading historical uh, fiction. Okay. And I do like reading uh, nonfiction as well, um, as far about history, um, generally fiction, thrillers. <laughs> I'm pretty much going to say all of them. Okay. But, uh, I, I do enjoy a good fantasy as well. Epic fantasies can be tough for me because it's so taxing. There's a lot yeah. to it, a lot of world building, but I do enjoy some of them. I just have to take a little breaks and go read some other things every now and then. I, I take them on as sitcoms, just about like a, I'll I do, love that. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get it here and there and here and there, but I'll I'll get some other books in between. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling that right now. I'm currently reading Dracula. I picked it up. I I don't often read horror, but I'm like, oh, maybe this will be a good. Um, and it's long. You know, I'm really enjoying it, but I'm feeling like it's like this epic type book, and I'm like, okay, I'm enjoying it, but I want to move on to something else. So I have read some small little books in between just to feel like almost like a palate cleanser. And then I'll go back and dig into Dracula and I'm, I'm under a hundred pages now. So I'm almost there, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to finish this. Yeah. You're almost there. So, and then have you always been a reader? I've always been a reader. Um, yeah. Uh, back in high school, I pretty much read whatever they put in front of me in the military. I did a little less reading cause I was oftentimes out and about getting my hands dirty um after the military though i went right into english and they piled a bunch of books in front of me and like read these so it wasn't always uh stuff that i necessarily would have just picked up on my own is always stuff that people put in front of me and these are the books you should read yeah and uh it was always good i always enjoyed them found the beauty in them um but yeah, now I'm kind of free to read whatever I want now. Yeah, which the is world nice. is your oyster with reading now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just walking a library and I get lost. I'm like, what do I do? What do I get? Yes, wonderful. Well, and I know you have brought a bit of a book flight for us today to pair with your books. So can you tell us about the books that you brought today? Sure, I'll tell you about... Uh, James L. Rubart's The Man He Never Was. Okay. What was so cool about this book, um, his character uh, is, this is kind of a modern day retelling of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And his character uh, is uh, Torin Daniels. And it reminded me so much of Daniel. And some of the things he was uh, hitting in his book were the same things that I was hitting in Infernal Fall, which was one of the reasons what I, why I asked him if he would like to uh, do the audio book. And he was all for it. And he too saw these similarities. And also reading him, reading his work, it just flows well. The prose just goes and it's almost like eating ice cream. I mean, I can just Love eat ice that. cream all day, <laughs> and even if it's cold. But yeah. uh of course, ice cream is cold, but you know, you get that soft. Okay, I'm getting into too much ice cream here, but yeah, the yeah. brain freeze. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the man he never was. It, it just read so well for me, and I read it cover to cover very quickly, and yeah, it just flowed well. A really nice flow. Okay, well, this is a new to me book. I haven't I haven't heard of this author or this book, so this is really exciting. Oh, yeah. I love when this happens. So we can't we can't know about all the books in the world. So. This is really fun. Yeah, this was a, a great book. And yeah, I, I think anyone who picks it up would enjoy it. Okay. Uh, um, the other one I have here, uh, I mentioned it already, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Yes. Now, this thing is uh, heavier than three potatoes. You put three whole potatoes in your hand and you, and this is the paperback edition too. So you're, I could get a workout doing curls with this thing it, so it's an epic <laughs> fantasy it, it takes a, a bit of time a bit of dedication but anyone who's willing i would say would really learn to appreciate epic fantasies yeah. in the way that he's able to do it he goes into the politics the cultures of uh, building a whole new world the magic systems and then there's characters phenomenal characters and big things at stake it's totally epic um 
So this uh, this was uh, what I looked to when when I was taking a break from writing. I would open up the Way of Kings and read, and uh, and that would be my way of trying to build myself up to be a better writer. Because yeah. uh, before you submit a book, it's probably a good idea to read a really good book from an author that you admire. So you can kind of like, huh, how can I work my book out a little bit more? Yeah. So the way of Kings was that for me, because I was reading that at the time of Infernal Fall, my first book. There is another, uh, I know, um, I don't actually have it with me, but Iscariot by Tosca Lee. And that's for obvious reasons, uh, Judas Iscariot. And uh, he makes a uh, profound impact in, uh, well, not really in Dante's Inferno, but he has an impact in Infernal Fall. Sure. And I learned about that after I was, uh, after I had written a book um, and I was like, wow, this is cool. And uh, I, I got to talk to Tosca Lee a little bit about um, uh, Judas Iscariot and her book and her oh, the wow. research that she did on Judas Iscariot and how... Um, how I, I saw Judas Iscariot in uh, the Inferno as well. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So the let's go back to the Way of Kings really quick. That's a standalone book of his, right? No, no. It's part okay. of the Stormlight Archive. And okay. these are all like um, really big books that are that are a, a lot and they're they're good. They're really good, but they take, you definitely want to listen to them on audiobook. At least most people, I'm actually a crazy person. And so I'm actually physically reading them, the paperback copies too. Yeah. There's, I got the smaller paperbacks. So I, I got my readers on and I'm holding these heavy books in my lap and uh, getting my neck heavy, <laughs> getting yeah. my arms built up. I yeah. Mean, you I get to work out while reading here yeah, too, on yeah. top of that. So yeah, they're great books, but he's only got four out and he's, he's planning more on that series too. Okay. Yeah. I, he is actually a new to me author this year. I hadn't okay. read part of the reason why I started this podcast. I'll tell you a little backstory is I wanted to read other genres, but we, as we talked about, I have so little time to read sometimes that I'm like, I want to know if I'm going to dig into fantasy for me was a newer to me genre. I was like, I want to know I'm going to be reading a good book if I'm digging in. And so I'm like, and I've been toying it with the idea of starting a podcast just to have something that was my own in motherhood. And I was like, what if I start talking to people that, you know, that's their genre. And then they come and they're like a trusted source of recommendations. And so that's how the podcast came about. And it really started because I wanted to read more of the fantasy genre. So that's so cool. Yeah. And so Mistborn was the series that was recommended. I think it was way back on like episode four. Um, and so I, I loved the series. I like, you know, plowed through them all this, you know, earlier this year, spring and into summer. So really enjoyed it. He puts books out quick too, so he, there's a there's a massive trove of uh, Brandon Sanderson waiting for you. Yeah, well, and that was like okay, so now, so the friend that came on and did that fan fantasy episode, I'm like, okay, like which one should I pick up next? Like which part of you know, because there is so many books that he has written. So I'm like, where should I go next? So, but maybe the yeah. Way of Kings. I mean, maybe this is my little nudge to pick it up today. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few, and he's he's got sidebar uh, novels out there too with it, and I got a lot of catching up to do with that. But yeah, he's a good one. He's a yeah. Uh, you've read Mistborn, so you know he he uh, he does his work, and it's it's really good. Yes. Yes, I I so enjoyed it. And I'm like, okay, yep. And actually, now I've been seeking out reading other fantasy books this year, right? Like, it's just like it kind of cracked open this whole new world for me, which is exactly what I wanted. And and that's also you're, uh, you're letting your listeners know, too. So everyone's getting to learn about these about authors they may not have heard of as well. You know, um, uh, Tosca Lee and James L. Rubart, they're they're really great authors too. And yeah. um, those are just uh, one books uh, each that they've put out, but they have several in there. And I haven't read all of them, obviously, but yeah. uh, I appreciated everything that I've read from them so far. Wonderful. Well, I, like I said, listeners earlier, I will have all of these in the show notes. So you can take a look at all of these wonderful books. So how I love to end our show here is with our bonus pairings, and they're just a speed round of questions. So you can answer these really quick. Where is your favorite place to read? The living room on the recliner. Nice. Okay. And then what is one book that has changed your life? Ooh, one book that has changed my life. There was a, uh, is a nonfiction book. It's called The Three Pillars of Man. I read that just before getting out of high school okay. and it's all about how to be a stand-up guy basically all right and, uh, there's been more additions since okay cool i haven't heard of that one so okay and then are you a rereader yes i am i, I have reread the harry potter series way too much yeah. uh several stephen king books and a few others including the bible i've reread things so many times <laughs> love it and then lastly, what are you reading next? My next read, I am planning on, uh, well, there's so many books I'm trying to finish now. I plan to read Sweep of Stars by Maurice Brodus. And I've uh, it's been sitting there calling on me for about six months now. Hey, you bought me. You yep. haven't read me yet. And like, I know. And it's, it's about time. So yeah, that's the next one. Sweep of Stars. Love it. And I do feel like that's how I end each show is our book, you know, books come in our life when we most need it, just like people do. And I truly believe that about books. And this is this is sweep of the stars time for your life. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know your time is precious and I appreciate all you've given me. All right. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today with Brian Mitchell and his book flight of epic fantasies. We'd love to hear what other books you'd pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. 
Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.